Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 23, and we're going to read together there, Luke chapter 23, and hold your Bibles open. We're going to refer back to those uh, verses as well several times, and I don't, don't know if you knew this, but next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and that's a special time for us always, and I want to ask you to come if you're in town, but also to invite some guests to come with you. There are some people who might come if you invite them and and they'd hear the message of the gospel. I'll preach about why the resurrection matters, why it's so important to us, why we ought to care about it. And so you invite someone to come. We've got some baskets that you can use to invite some. We've still got a few of those left if you want to get a basket. It's a nice way to just invite someone to come and um, God will use this in their lives we're praying. And I want to ask a, mention a couple of things. One is we're we're not having life groups on Easter Sunday. It's, we'll be right back to life groups the week after. I love life groups. They matter so deeply to our churches. Those are our small group Bible studies. We have classes for all the ages, including adults. But not on Easter Sunday, though we will have kids' life care for three-year-old and under. Uh, but we'll get right back to them. And if you've never tried a life group, I want to encourage you to do it. And then secondly, perhaps you could consider those of you who are in good health and such. You don't mind parking farther away, make it as... In, park as inconveniently as you, as you will, as you can, and we'll save closer parking for guests and people who might need that little closer spot. Well, let's look, open our Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Hold your Bibles open, and I'm going to look with you this morning at three at the cross. Three different men at the cross and uh, the lessons that we can learn from them. And so I'm going to talk about the Cyrenian and then the criminal and then the centurion. And we're going to look at a principle from each of these. So if you're a note taker, let's note first this Cyrenian, a man from Cyrene, and he teaches us a lesson, and the lesson is we have a cross to bear. So if you're a note taker by the Cyrenian, you can write, we have a cross to bear. That's the first principle I want us to note, and we're going to read together in verse 26 in just a moment. The man from Simon, the Bible tells us, from Cyrene, this city of Cyrene, let's read verse 26. The Bible says, as they led Jesus away, they seized Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country and laid the cross on him to carry behind Jesus. Simon the Cyrenian. He's Simon from Cyrene. It's a city in Africa, on, on the continent of Africa. And this man has come from Africa all this distance. Perhaps he's come because of the Passover, because maybe he's like, uh, maybe he's a, a Jewish man who has moved far away. Maybe he's like the Ethiopian a eunuch who has been a God-fearer and has come to find out more about God from, from this continent of Africa. But he comes to uh, Jerusalem, and the Bible says about him, we know from other gospel accounts he has two sons with him, and he's minding his own business. He's come in, the Bible says he's come in, from the country, that is, he's not been in the city, perhaps he was outside the walls, as Jesus and the disciples were at the, at the Mount of Olives or some other place in that area, and he comes into the city. The Passover, of course, is a big event for in the Jewish life because it reminds them of how God brought them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt and brought them to the promised land, how that happened because of the miracles that caused the Egyptians eventually to let them go. The Pharaoh, finally, the last of the plagues was that the firstborn of all the families would die and the death angel would pass over those who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. May, may I just note, we'll come back in two weeks, we'll come back to our series through the book of Revelation. And we will see Jesus 
is the lamb who was slain. He's described in that way to us in the book of Revelation. A lamb was slain, the blood put on the doorposts as a reminder, as a picture of the passing over of death. And Jesus, of course, is that for us. Jesus is the means by which we can be forgiven of sins. He is the lamb who was slain on our behalf. <clears throat> so the Bible tells us this man, Simon, <clears throat> he's coming in from the country. And uh, perhaps just maybe he knows a little bit about Jesus. Maybe he's heard the name. He's heard perhaps of this miracle worker. Maybe he knows something of what Jesus has said, perhaps. But he comes into the city. He's there with his sons. He just he notices as he comes by, a crowd is gathered, and Jesus is coming along. By this point, Jesus has already been tried before Pontius Pilate. He's already been beaten, the scourge on his back, and he's carrying this cross. When we say something about beaten on his back or the scourge, we think of it as almost as though we gloss over it. It's a terrible thing. There's great pain. People would die from something like that alone, and Jesus is carrying the cross, and perhaps he's stumbling. And so the soldiers who are there decide to get someone to help carry this cross. And they grab this man from Africa, this man Simon, and take him from where he is before, perhaps between his two sons. And, he, and the Bible says they laid the cross on him to carry behind Jesus and helps bear the load of that cross, the weight of that cross. There's something sometimes about that physical burden and the emotional burdens of life and the spiritual burdens of life that can be somewhat connected and perhaps Simon had never he never considered anything like this and now he's carrying this bloody heavy cross and he feels that physical burden of the cross maybe even begins to get a sense of the deeper burden there is something about that physical burden the other day we had storms here as you uh, probably know some uh, pretty heavy storms and that night just before that evening just before the storms came in I had some I, I needed to mow some grass and my, my one of my neighbors uh, I'm at the end of a dead-end road and one of my neighbors has just an immaculate lawn he just takes care of that lawn and he fertilizes it there's no dandelions I have dandelions all over my yard I don't care about it I'm in the country no one comes to my house unless they're coming just to the house and no one goes by it I just I just you know, just not a big deal to me, but he takes care of it perfectly. Though I'm really the only person who goes by. Mickey and I just go by and we marvel at the beauty of his lawn. And, you know, great. I think it's maybe therapeutic for him to do it, perhaps. But he takes care of it. He fertilizes it. And on the front of the lawn by him, that fertilizer runs onto my grass. And that part of the grass is just perfect. It's great. And I always want to kind of take care of that part of the lawn and be a good neighbor. And though I might not care about it as much, he cares about it. And I want to be a good neighbor to him. And so the storm was coming, and I got out the, um, my riding lawnmower, and I haven't kept it up as well as I should. It's, the battery's bad, and I had to jump start the battery. I have a little thing you can put on it just to charge up the battery. It takes a while, but I eventually got it charged, and I drove out to this to mow that part of the grass. The, the wind was coming. The, it was dark, and, and I... Uh, a little bit of rain starting, and I thought, you know, it could hail at any moment. And 
and I didn't really like the idea of getting electrocuted. That just seemed to be a bad, you know, thing to get electric, you know, lightning strike that mower or something. And so I was in sort of a hurry and I was mowing and the grass is thick there because he's fertilized it so well. And my mower just got too clogged and it just died. And so I tried to start it, but the battery was bad, as I said, and, I, and it, as far away from the house as I can get. And I couldn't get it started and I couldn't get a, it's too far even for an extinction cord there. So I knew what I had to do. I had to push that lawnmower. And it's an old lawnmower and it's heavy as can be. And I couldn't do it by myself. And I rushed in as the storm is coming. I rushed in to get Vicky. Vicky, I need your help. And she came out and we pushed together. And I knew if I could get it up on the driveway, that kind of runs down to my house. It'd be okay then. But getting onto the driveway, I have to go over a little bit of a ditch and so we just did all we could. I pushed as hard as I could, rocked it back and forth on that dish. I finally got up. I used every bit of muscle I have, and I don't have very much muscle, but I used every bit that I had left, and I got that up, and we got it down. I got it on the charger, and I got it, put it in the shed, and before the storms came, did not get electrocuted, did not get electrocuted. I was a good, I was a good neighbor, and I felt something of the burden of the work and the effort a little of the burden of, you know, it's just going to be, I'm gonna, just going to get stuck out here. The neighbor, when he's looking at his immaculate yard, is just going to see my old mower stuck there forever. Or her, a tornado will come and then the mower will get picked up and land right on his house or something terrible. I wonder if that Serenian, normally perhaps you would never think about the burden of the cross, the weight of that wood. But he picked up that burden and he felt the weight and perhaps the blood that was trickling down the wood because there was a physical burden certainly to the cross but even greater the spiritual burden of Jesus the one who knew no sin the only one who had never sinned the perfect one the righteous one the holy one who had become sin in our behalf and who would die in our place on that cross. And I want you to know we have a cross to bear. In the book of Luke, the Bible talks about this cross we have to bear. Back in chapter 9, verse 23, here's what the Bible says. Then Jesus said to them, to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, maybe that's you, maybe you're here saying, I'd like to follow after Jesus. Listen to what he says. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. If you want to follow after Jesus, it's not about what's in it for me. That's how many, many people look at Christianity sort of that way. What's in it for me? What do I get? And listen, God provides his blessings abundantly, of course. But the Bible says, Jesus said, let him deny himself. It's not about what's in it for me and what do I get. In fact, I get because I give. The more I give, the more I try to get. The more I live for myself, the more miserable I am. You'll find that in your own life. The more you give, the more you serve instead of being served. That's the place of joy and peace. And Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Every day you have to remember to take up the cross, to die to self, to live for the Lord and follow Jesus. And then in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, the Bible says, whoever does not, Jesus said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There's a cross for us to bear. Jesus reminds us that this Serenian is not the last one who would have a, a cross to bear, and the Lord has a cross for you. If you 
don't yet know Christ as Savior, we're praying you will come to the cross and find salvation full and free in Christ. But if you know Christ as Savior, the Lord is saying, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. The Cyrenian reminds us of that. There's a second person I want us to focus on in this story, and it's the criminal. There are two criminals, actually, but we're going to focus primarily on the second. Here's the principle I want you to get. We have a choice to make. The criminal teaches us this lesson. We have a choice to make. Let's pick up the story in verse 32 of Luke 23. The Bible says two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. And when they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, these two thieves, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, this is amazing. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. And the people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other, and by the way, I want us to focus for a moment on this other, the second thief. The other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? Listen, we're, we're facing the same thing. Do you not see the reality of your situation? Verse 41, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. What, what an amazing insight. We're, we're getting punished justly. We deserve this. We're getting paid back for what we've done. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's, it always leads to pain and suffering and death and wrong. We're punished justly. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a statement of faith. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a faith statement. This is not the end, but a new beginning. And Jesus, in verse 43, the Bible says, Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And it's an amazing story. Two criminals. In fact, the Bible tells us both of them were scoffing, perhaps using profanity towards the Lord at the beginning. But then something in the last breaths, the last blood left in his body, this thief suddenly says, wait, why are you scoffing? He rebuked the other. Don't you even fear God, he said. We're undergoing the same punishment. We're punished justly. We're getting the results. We're getting back what we deserve for all the things we did. But this man, there's something different about this man. And he's done nothing wrong. And then he says in those last breaths, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, full of grace, amazingly said, truly, I tell you today, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. It's an amazing story. There's a 
Some of you have heard a preacher named Alistair Begg, perhaps before. He's on the radio. Some is an American preacher, but he's from Scotland originally. And I will tell you, I would sound a lot smarter if I had a Scottish accent. You would say, oh, my goodness. A British accent just makes you sound so much smarter. And Alistair Begg's got this beautiful Scottish accent. And once in a while, I'll listen to him speak. And I heard him talk about this very story and the amazing nature of the story and how he looked forward to seeing this man, this second thief, this other thief in heaven. It's just the amazing story. You made it to heaven. He said he'd want to ask, how, how did this happen? He's a criminal and he's at the cross. And, and then at the last moments of his life, he'd never gone to a Bible study. He hadn't been baptized. He didn't even understand basic doctrines, I suspect. And yet, God's grace so sufficient and so great that at the last moments of life, Jesus would say to him, truly I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. That this man would son, somehow in the last fleeting moments of his life say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That he would recognize that he was a sinner and that his sin was caused great separation from God. That he was justly punished. That he would understand something of repentance and coming to the Lord. What an incredible story. He said it must have, Beg said it must have been amazing to stand I mean, what would the angel say if there's some angel at the gate of heaven? What are, you, what are you doing here? He might say to the man, and the man would say, I don't know. And the angel would say, what do you mean you don't know? And the man might say, well, I, I don't know how I got here. And they, maybe the angel would call for his supervisor. He'd say, we need to ask this guy a few questions. You don't, you don't know how you got here? No. Well, what do you, what, let's talk about the doctrine of salvation. What do you know about that? And the man, the thief would say, I don't, I've never heard of it. I don't know anything about it. Or about the doctrine of Scripture. I, don't know, I know nothing of it. Well, then on what basis are you here? And he speculated that the thief on the cross would say, the man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. Somehow God's grace is so great that this thief, unworthy, listen, if you think you're worthy, you'll never come to the cross. This man somehow, in the fleeting final breaths, turned to the Lord and found the Lord who was willing and able to save and forgive. It's an amazing story of grace. I would that he had all of his life followed the Lord. I would that you, all of your life, would follow the Lord from the earliest age. We want to teach the very youngest among us about the stories of the gospel. We want our young people, our students, to grow in understanding who God is and to follow him all their lives. It is worth it to follow the Lord with every breath you have. Don't waste another minute away from the Lord. Follow him right now. I would that he had done that all of his life, but you can't go back and change one bit of your past, can you? But from this point forward, you have a choice to make. Will I be like the first thief, as though Jesus owed him something? Hey, if you're the Messiah, why don't you come down, and while you're at it, remove these problems I have as well, as though the responsibility, the main responsibility of the Lord is merely to just Relieve us of our burdens and difficulties and make life a little more pleasant for us. No mention of repentance. 
no turning to God? Or will we be like this second thief? Man, I am a sinner and I deserve every bit of this and more. And yet, this one is dying for me. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And if you will trust Christ as Savior and turn from your sin, the Bible says God will forgive you and his grace is sufficient for you. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for you to be forgiven of every sin of your past and your present. The grace of the Lord is so great that he can forgive you. Whatever your background, whatever your pain, whatever your problem, whatever the sin of your life, there is a Savior who is able to forgive And I'm asking you today, if this is your last day, if this is your last breath, to give your life to Christ, to turn to him and find salvation. We all have a choice to make. There's a third character I want you to note. We've seen the Serenium, the criminal. Now let's look at the centurion. And the principle I want you to get is we have a confession to state. We have a confession to state. Let's pick up the story now in verse 44. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three. So this, in response to the death of Jesus, this darkness comes. And the Bible says in verse 45, it's because the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. The curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The Lord himself tore that. No one could go into the holy of holies except the high priest. And he only on the Day of Atonement, and only with the blood of the Lamb. And yet on that day that Jesus died, that barrier that kept us from God, we had to go through someone else, was removed. And we can come directly with boldness into the presence of God, not through anyone else, but directly to the Lord. God is able to forgive on the basis of the blood of Jesus. And then the Bible says in verse 46, And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And saying this, he breathed his last. And verse 47 says, when the centurion saw what happened, the centurion, he began to glorify God, saying, this man really was righteous. Matthew and Mark say it like this. The centurion said, truly, this man was the son of God. This is the righteous one, the only righteous one. This is the son of God. There's something divine about him. I've wondered about that centurion. The centurion was a Roman soldier, and they led sometimes a hundred men, that's the centurion part comes from that sometimes later it would be more like 80 men but he was a soldier and serving far from home and maybe hardened by battle and difficulties maybe seen lots of death and pain for crying out loud was that a crucifixion watching men die maybe he'd done that many many times there's pain and sorrow and heartbreak that comes with that maybe he was just hardened to it all jaded. It happens sometimes for soldiers. I watched a documentary. Vicky was gone the other day, and I watched a documentary, as I want to do, and this documentary was a journalist embedded with some soldiers in Afghanistan some years ago, and it followed these soldiers in as they were doing their job there in Afghanistan, and they sort of unwittingly stumbled into a Taliban stronghold and they ended up being pinned down for days in a mountainous remote region um, 
man, difficult. They were Army guys. I will say they were extraordinarily thankful for the Air Force when they came in on some surgical strikes. You Air Force guys, um, you know, you held up your part of the bargain with the Army in that case. And, but, man, it was a hard thing to watch these young, primarily young men being shot at in danger of dying all the time. There were casualties that happened before them, some of their friends who did not live. Man, I just, I'm, the, I'm a lifelong civilian. I just admire people who are willing to do these hard things on my behalf, to go into hard places, to do these hard things. And they interviewed the soldiers during, but then after. And, and some of those men cried as they talked about their friends who had died, and they days, just days there pinned down and fighting and trying to make some progress. It was an amazing story. I wondered if they, if in that setting you don't get a little jaded and your heart doesn't, if it can't get a little hard. And I wonder about the centurion seeing death and death and death and death and pain and sorrow and loneliness and deprivation. And then he sees this man die. And the Bible says, when he saw what happened, he began to glorify God. This man began to glorify God, saying, this man, he's different. This one was righteous. Truly, this man was the son of God. Boy, what a different thing. That's a confession that we make. This one is righteous. This man's the son of God. Or the basic profession, confession of our faith. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We've sort of forgotten, haven't we? Maybe this centurion had sort of forgotten about God. Maybe he never had known the Lord before glorifying God that day. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Soviet dissident from some years ago. In the days of communism, he found himself in a Soviet gulag, and he wrote, he wrote uh, about the problems and difficulties of this Soviet communism and all that took place, the millions who died because of it. Here's what Solzhenitsyn said. He said, over a, over a half century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. And since then, I've spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I've read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and I've already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. So watch the problems of our own culture, the collapsing of our own culture and civilization in many ways. Why has all this happened? Men have forgotten God. And then a centurion who must have thought all hope was, was abandoned. All I've seen is death and pain and destruction and problems. And then he sees a man die on a cross who's different. 
and a death that's not the same. And something deep within him stirred. And the Bible said he glorified God. He glorified God. This hardened soldier. And he said, this man was righteous. This is the son of God. This is different. That's the confession that we have to state. That Jesus was not just a good man who lived a long time ago. But that God became a man. The God who made the universe broke into this world. That he loved us though we were sinners and fallen and broken and unlovable. He loved us still. And he went to the cross to pay for our sins. To shed his blood for us. And that when we see this truth, that this one who died and who rose again, we see this man is different. He's righteous, the Son of God. Jesus is Lord. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we bow, some of you are here who need to trust Christ as Savior, and God has brought you to this place to hear this message of the gospel, that Christ died for you. That your sin has consequences, but Christ was willing to pay for them. That if you would repent of your sin and place your trust in Jesus, Christ would save you, forgive you, and make you brand new. Will you give your life to Christ today? Will you trust Him as Savior? Christian, I want to say a word to you with your head bowed, your eyes closed. The Lord wants to teach you from these men, the, the Serenian. We have a cross to bear. Would you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Jesus? The criminal, we have a choice to make. Will I join the world that mocks Jesus or will I recognize who he is, that God rightly judges my sin, but that he is righteous and holy. Remember me, we say to Jesus. Or the centurion, we have a confession to state. You're not just a good man who lived a long time ago, not just a prophet or a preacher, but you are the son of God. Jesus is Lord. Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word, the power that it teaches us. I want to thank you for the power of the cross itself. That you would pay the penalty for our sins. And that the cross is not the end. That you made us for something more. That you rose from the grave and because of that we can have life. And I pray, Lord, we will learn these lessons well and live out this faith. Follow these truths. Use these in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.